Getting to the finish line for your first book is the most important task for a new author. How do you overcome the obstacles and develop the mindset to get to the end? Emma Desi gives us some tips for how to finish your first novel in this episode of Writing Pursuits. Welcome to the Writing Pursuits podcast, where authors like you discuss writing craft, author life, and book marketing strategies. I'm your host, Catherine McKee. I own Writing Pursuits and write and produce the weekly newsletter, Writing Pursuits Tips for Authors. In addition, I am a speculative fiction author. Writing Pursuits is for authors who drink too much coffee, endure judgmental looks from their furry writing companions, and struggle for words. If you are a writer seeking encouragement, information, and inspiration, this podcast is for you. Let's get to it. So Emma Desi is a book coach who specializes in helping beginner authors write their first novel. Emma helps you improve your craft, provides feedback on your written work, and navigates you through the emotional roller coaster of finishing a novel. For more hands-off help, Emma hosts a Facebook group and podcast, both called Turning Readers into Writers. Those links will be in the show notes for today. Hey, Writing Pursuits authors, welcome back to the podcast. To those of you who are new, I want to extend a special welcome. My name is Catrice McKee, and I'm glad you're here. Please leave a comment, a star rating, and follow the show to help others find Writing Pursuits. I want to welcome Emma Desi to my program on Writing Pursuits. Welcome from Houston to Where Are You? I'm in Edinburgh in Scotland, so other side of the pond. So if we have a little bit of difficulty in translation, we'll just have to work it out. (laughs) Two people divided by a common language. (laughs) It's so funny, isn't it? (laughs) It is. It is really wild. And I can always tell when I am uh, editing someone from Canada that, you know, because they're using all the British spellings and uh, it's like, oh, and then there are certain expressions that are very unusual here in, you know, the South of the U.S. And Mm. I'm like, where did that come from? Oh, I see that. Oh, maybe that's just a colloquialism, you know, (laughs) I'll have to ask. (laughs) So what is your story, Emma? Oh, my story. My story is like a lot of people um, always wanted to be a writer, was an avid reader from a child, uh, you know, wrote stories as started with, um, you know, children's stories, middle grade, teen, and so on and so forth as I as I grew up. Life got in the way. I ended up going to university mm-hmm. and then moving to London and, you know, social life beckoned. And uh, sort of in my teens and my early 20s, the idea of sitting in a room by myself <laughs> with made up <laughs> people was less alluring than going out with friends and going to the theatre and things. So, it sort of went by the wayside for quite a while. But then I would always come back to it, you know, there'd be waves. And I think, no, no, this is something I want to do. And I'd go and sign up for another class and get really excited whilst I was in the class and start a new project. And then about a week after that class finished, my energy would kind of and my enthusiasm would wane as well. And so I never quite got to the finish line with anything. And um, it was something I always felt very guilty about, you know, never getting to the finish line. How right. could I possibly expect to be a writer if I couldn't finish anything? And then I got to 40 and I was still having the same discussions with myself. And <laughs> there was a sort of switch, though, that went off. And I just said to myself, OK, you either do this or you don't make up your mind. 
if you want to do this, you write a first draft from beginning to end. And uh, if you like writing it and it was good fun, fantastic, then you can go on and start revising. If you get to the end of that first draft and you realize it was just a horrific experience, you hated every moment of it, <laughs> then you know and you can put that dream to bed and move on and stop feeling guilty and start start something else. So, yeah, just the switch in me. I think I'd hit a brick wall. I was fed up going around in circles and decided, right, let's do it. And so then I did. I did write that first draft. It took me a long time. Um, but, uh, but I got there in the end and I loved the experience and I right. loved the challenge of it as well. It was, right. a, it was a puzzle I enjoyed figuring out and putting together. And so, yeah, started revisions and did that for another few years and then ultimately published my first book, which, as you'll know, is just an amazing feeling to see it there and Both think, wow, hands. I did that. I created something out of nothing. And there it is. <laughs> that sounds remarkably like my story. I, I, you know, I went to work and, and had kids and, you know, was very, very busy, a very, very busy life. And when I became a teacher late, I was like reading the books in the library that because I was a reading teacher that inspired me. And I also read to my children all the time they were growing up. So like there I am, the end with my son, who was the last child. And we were reading John Flanagan and I go, I love this book. I love these books. It was a series. And I said, I'd like to write this. And so I just started with a spiral and started writing. And mm -hmm. uh, much like you, it, it was like I had put things up, brought them back out, put things up, brought them back out. And finally, it was just like, I need to just see if I can get to the end. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> about mm -hmm. the time I got to the end of the, the fourth one, <laughs> I decided, no, I need to go back to the beginning and, and do a revision and actually get serious about it. So oh, that's so interesting. So you wrote four kind of first drafts of four novels. No, it was, yeah, it was four novels. And I realized I've got a series here. I just have to start writing it. And so, it, you know, it was much easier to write it the second time because I knew I could. <laughs> I proved to myself that I could write, you know. <laughs> so but I think it sounds like you did it in a really um, a great way because then you're you're having your apprenticeship there mm -hmm. and you're discovering that you enjoy writing series as well and so you get to do all those hours of practice um and then get to go back and and revise it again and work on it and uh, sort of perfect it so mm -hmm. I think it's probably a good way of doing it I admire your patience as well to kind of uh, oh, you know that. just because there's a lot of kids around and and there's <laughs> a busy life and I could write in a spiral or the three ring notebook uh, you know, doctor's appointments and it, uh, soccer games and whatever else it was, it wasn't hard to do. And I always had it with me. Mm -hmm. um, I was deathly afraid of losing one because it was handwritten. But then you still, I think I do believe you still then have to do your apprenticeship. You know, even if you write your first book and publish it, by the time you get to your fourth book, you're going to look back. And mm -hmm. as I do now, look back and go, oh my goodness. I oh, there's some things I wish come. I could change. Yes, there are definitely some things I wish I could change. Absolutely. So what do you think are the biggest roadblocks, the biggest obstacles to finishing that first book? To the actual finishing of it. Mm -hmm. To reach the finish couple of line. things. If I think about the practical side of it, the actual kind of um, story craft, then I think it comes back to character and not knowing your character very well, not really understanding 
why you're writing about them and why they've come to you and what it is that they're trying to to share with the world mm-hmm. um you know we might have a superficial idea of who this character is and what they want and the adventure that they're going on and we have a, a sense of the plot of the story but we don't have a deeper understanding of the story of the story, if you see what I mean. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I think that's certainly 100% where I've gone wrong in the past, um, is just having this lovely idea and going with it, and it's all hunky-dory and great, but then you hit a point where you don't really know why you're writing this now and how it's going to come together, and you get a bit bored with it as well. That can be another thing because... Mm-hmm you've not done all of this backstage work that needs to be done around the character or you don't know that you've got to go back and do it. That's Mm -hmm. the other thing as well. When I think about um, the majority of the craft books out there, they do talk fairly superficially about you've got your, what does your character want? What does your character need? What is their flaw? And those things are important. I'm not uh, saying Mm -hmm. that they're not, but they don't, the book's, and what we learn doesn't really kind of go into that in much depth. So we're not really understanding, well, what was happening in our character's life before the story happened? What has brought them to this point? So where the story starts and why does it start on that day? Because that's going to be a big key clue as well as as to why the story is important. Why does it have to start on this day at this moment in this place? Perfect. Yes. And, yeah. Only by going back and really understanding what's led the, the life experiences of this character up until this point, um, that we un- we know what that flaw is, we know what they need, we know what they want, but mm-hmm. we have to do that work at the beginning. Now, I think that if you're lucky and your brain is wired that way, that you have the ability to do this all up front before you even start writing and you figure it all out and it's great and you know where you're going I would suggest wouldn't that be nice (laughs) (laughs) but I think for most of us particularly if you're writing your first novel Mm -hmm. this is something that you need to come back to do in revision so I think often we need to get to know the story a little bit get a more of a feel for it ourselves and get to know the characters a little bit on this more superficial level Mm-hmm. before we can then go back and develop their their history and their experiences and why they are the way they are so that that's that's one of the things I on a sort of craft level I think that's one of the things that stops people from from finishing I did have that same exact experience where I created a character who uh she was the main character and then I found out that oh she was just not that likable and then I had to create a way for the the reader to connect with her at least at the beginning because she was she had a little bit of a hard shell and Mm. she was supposed to be that way but Mm. it made her completely like huh why would I want to read about this person you know (laughs) and I and when you went back and did that kind of uh sort of history work on your character did it open up some things and you understood her absolutely what I am so thankful I did this one thing I did a an actual interview with my character. I didn't write it down. I I put down the pen and paper and I went completely recorded. I recorded an out interview with her. So I asked her all these questions. And I mean, that was like a switch in my brain. I don't know what it is about putting down and, and just becoming the character. Mm-hmm. Then she told me all this stuff and I was like, oh, 
Oh, and I understood her so much better. And then on the revision, I was able to make her much better and communicate, not the backstory, mm-hmm. but to slip things in to kind of give the reader a connection. And context, yeah, mm-hmm. for why they're doing what they're doing. Yes. And that's a wonderful, I've never done it that way to actually record the interview Um might feel a, did it feel a bit schizophrenic as you uh, a you little know, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie and what was funny is my creative brain was like oh I've got to come up with an answer for that uh and what would what would she say oh she would tell me that you know and and yeah so yes a little bit of a mind bender but mm. it worked and it was so helpful yeah. and I'm sure people can do that on a piece of paper as well it yeah. just seemed like I needed to put it away and do something completely different to trigger a different part of my brain. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. I think you're right about you don't know your character well enough, especially on that first book. And as you write more, you realize, oh, I've got to know that, you know, your second and third and fourth book, you know that you need to know those things. Yes. So so do you mean like, um, oh, I see. So you as the creator by the third and fourth book, you needed to know that stuff that was there in the first. Yeah, well, no, but I'm even talking about standalone. When you go with a new character, you know that you need to know that experience has helped you is what yeah. I was saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, so even if you're not necessarily going to put that on the page, you as the creator, you need to know the backstory. You need to know mm-hmm. the nuances behind it. Yay. It reminds me when I, I used to act, you know, we'd be told go off and do your research and development. You know, you go and kind of do all the work behind behind the scenes about it, about this character. And then I remember one director kind of saying to us, OK, so now you've got that. Now you throw it all away. You just throw it all away with the idea being that now this is just embodied in us. We just okay. to be, we know it in our body and in our memory from the work that we've done around our character we're not going to bring that on stage and demonstrate it in any physical way or say it in our dialogue. But just knowing that, that will come out in the way that we move on stage or the way that we say something. And I think that's the same in our fiction, how our characters move and the things that they say come out of us having done that research into their past and who they are. And then that's and- fascinating. Mm. And I think then it, that feeds into the plot, you know, that feeds into the decisions that the character will make, which then feeds into the plot. And so that can help get us unstuck. So you've read the script. Yes, you've read the script. And so say, so one that comes to mind would be, we were doing, um, uh, what was it now? The Importance of Being Earnest uh, by Noel Coward. And so we took a trip to the Ritz in London and we had a tour (gasps) around it and just getting into what it would be like to be in that period and to come from money and uh, be of that time. And so that that was a really fun way of doing it as well. And, you know, you'd watch the movies, uh, you'd read about that that kind of period of time. But mm-hmm. then but then you have to embody this one individual who's, you know, uh, flesh and blood like everybody else. But we, we know that we've experienced this in the background. And so almost like muscle memory, I suppose, it would then translate into the performance. And I would think that that acting experience would help you so much with characterization in your writing. I think it does. Yes. And I think some, I think it helps me with dialogue um, oh, yes. as well. And uh, just a sense of maybe a sense of pacing as well mm-hmm. as you're working through three acts. 
um then it can uh, can be helpful there but definitely it, it taught me a lot about putting yourself in the shoes of another individual who's not real <laughs> bringing them to life yeah <laughs> fascinating so um what other things do you think hold beginner writers back from finishing a book the other thing i've noticed is the biggest thing it's got nothing to do with craft at all but it's it's just what's going on inside inside the individual inside the person so they are the biggest and you know that phrase get out of your own way there's a lot of fear around finishing fear that the most obvious one being fear that it's not going to be good enough mm-hmm. um and then the fear of there's also bizarrely for and I've never experienced this one this you know the fear of success like what happens if this is really good mm-hmm. what happens if people start reading it and people start reviewing <laughs> it um because I think <laughs> I think we often have a fear of readers, don't we? We desperately, absolutely, desperately we're, we're afraid of those people. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to read our book and judge us. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. So that fear of it being out in the world and letting go of it, and I still hear people talk about their books, you know, as their babies, because many of them, the people I work with, they've been writing the same book for 10, 15, 20 years. So they are, you know, very emotionally attached Mm -hmm. to this story. And so this fear that someone else will read it and judge it, that fear of just letting go of something that has been part of their life for so long, that can be uh, very scary as well. And then, which actually I was talking to um, a student the other week and he's coming towards the end of his the first draft of his story and this is a story that he's been wanting to write for a long 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 time and he was saying that you know I'm 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 a bit scared I've been avoiding writing the end because there's this perhaps a slight feeling of anticlimax around it because he's been striving towards it for so long and then oh okay now it's done and then you've got to go back and revise it and continue working on it that the mm-hmm. sort of um, the romantic idea that you type the end, pull the paper out of the typewriter and off it goes right. uh, to the publisher. Actually, there's a lot of work still to do. So <laughs> sometimes there's a little bit of uh, of that as well. So what do you advise somebody who is so attached to their work that they're kind of afraid to reach that point where it's time to let it go? I would recommend just taking a little bit of time away from it then <clears throat> that this is and kind of bracing yourself doing a little bit of self-talk mm-hmm. to know that okay this is going to be a, a farewell that could, you could even do a little kind of I don't want to say the word ceremony around it but you know just having a celebration that you've you've got to this point acknowledging it as well and mm-hmm. um, another student of mine just uh, she just finished her first draft and she got to the end and we were like, wow, you know, we we took a moment just to acknowledge the achievement that she'd made because, you know, she's in what, the top 5% of people? Right. She's, she's finished it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, this was a moment for her to kind of acknowledge and take a moment to realize, okay, now I get to move into the next step of this. I get to take a step t- further towards this goal, this dream that I've held for so, so long. Mm-hmm. And that will come slower um, for for some people and quicker for others. But just that um, giving yourself a bit of space to start disconnecting from it and start to see this now 
right. as more of a, an asset, as more of a product, as more as a yeah, a tool, a, a product or an asset that is going to go out into the world. And um, not just yet, we've still got work to do. But I think if you can begin that process, give yourself time to lead into that, it'll make the the parting a little less painful when it comes. I think the uh, letting things cool or a rest is a really great idea, especially for that first time. You need to have a little space between you and especially the first draft. You just need to kind of, so in that space, maybe it would be wise, or maybe for some people, it would be okay to think about, well, what is going to come after that? What am I going to write next? So you kind of give yourself um, something to look forward to after you're done shipping the product and then go back and you've, you've got the time and space then to look at your fresh, your first draft, especially with fresh eyes, you know, because you know you know how much it's going to change. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <exactly. laughs> it's so true. And you know, you might, you might surprise yourself and find that by the, by the time you've done 13 rounds of revisions, you are over this book. You never want oh. to see it again. You're just fed up with it. Writing Pursuits is run by Catherine McKee, who has been trusted by fiction authors since 2014 to take their writing to a new level of excellence. Catherine is a three-story method certified editor who specializes in story diagnostics, coaching, and line editing to help you prepare your story for the journey ahead. For more information, go to writingpursuits.com. The link is in the show notes. And now, back to the podcast. What are some techniques you recommend to help people break through and get past themselves and the writing itself even to um, get to the end and then they can go back, you know, before they can go back and do their revisions? So if you find that you're getting stuck, Mm -hmm. um, do go back and do those character uh, histories and go and look back at them. And that will open up things for you, definitely. But on a practical a sort of step by step it's just remembering to take things one moment at a time so we're talking about just getting to the end of that first draft so acknowledging it's going to be messy mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of work to do no matter how much planning you've done ahead of time because as you and I both know things change as you write the book so take the pressure off this being perfect it's never going to be like one of the books you've got on your shelf that's been published and just take it little by little and scene by scene I would even go down to say you know scene by scene so if you um, have say two or three scenes in a chapter just break that right down to the scene level and what needs to happen in this one scene thinking about how that's going to just push the storyline forward or even just the plot line forward for now how do we push the plot forward And so each scene needs to serve a function. And as long as you know why you're including that scene um, and what the um, if we're thinking about, you know, three story method, for example, which I know you're a big fan of, what's the consequence of that scene? So understanding that cause and effect trajectory when you're in those sticky moments, getting, say, that that last third of the book. even if you can't yet figure out how you're going to pull all those strands together, just keep moving scene by scene and have something, ha- uh, a decision made at the end of each scene so that you know how you're going to move on to the next one. Um, I think that's a really great way, particularly in that first draft, and you mm-hmm. haven't planned out your scenes ahead of time. If as long as your character 
whichever character is in the scene doesn't need to be your protagonist, but the point of view character in that scene, as long as they make a decision about something, either to do something or to say something to somebody, Mm -hmm. then that gives you your impetus for the next scene. Right. And by focusing on that next scene, that gives you the impetus to move on to the next one. And so kind of organically almost it starts mm-hmm. to happen is that the story you know when you hear writers kind of say oh, you know the story almost wrote itself it was so amazing um, I felt <laughs> like I was just dictating this I think that's what they're referring to that they are taking it scene by scene and as long as they know that their character is making a decision about something at the end that automatically leads on to the next scene and and then there is that feeling of it just feels easier. Mm-hmm. I think then takes the pressure off. I think as long as you're willing to let your, if you stop doing the red light, green light thing where, oh, that won't work. Oh, that won't work. Oh, that won't work. Just, just give yourself the green light to just write whatever, be as messy and as illogical as you need to be just to get to the next scene. Mm-hmm. Just do it. And then you can come back and go, oh, I see a way to fix that. Oh, that really actually, that works really well or that doesn't work. Um, and I need to think of something else, but I know I need to get to this place. So you rewrite a scene, mm-hmm. but at least you got there. And and even just putting in like the skeleton of a scene, I think it's Steph Green who talks about her skeleton method. Mm-hmm. Um, she just has the very, very basics of what she wants to happen in a scene, but it allows her to keep moving forward, keep moving forward to the end of that very first, very messy draft, mm-hmm. knowing that she can come back with it. But I think of like um, of my own experiences. Normally, I'm a very linear writer, so mm-hmm. I start at the beginning and I work my way through to the end. But I remember, I think it was my second book. I think it was. I was flowing along fine to the to that halfway point, and then I got really <laughs> stuck, and oh, I didn't no. know what was going to come next. But I knew how I wanted the book to end, so I just skipped to the end, and then I wrote the chapters back to the middle and then joined them in the middle. No idea why that worked for that book, but that's how I got around it. And that's how I managed to get that flow to come back into my writing. I think that's something else, actually, just, you know, just to remember that you don't have to write the first scene, then the next, then the next. Amen. Some people, yeah, because like some people like to write in a sort of patchwork form and they mm-hmm. do a bit here and a bit there as the scene comes to them, trusting that there is method in it and it will all pull together at the end. I forget um, I, who said this too. She said as she's writing, if she realizes that she needs, just for instance, an evil twin. But the evil twin hasn't been there since the beginning. I really wish I could remember who it was that said it. Then they'll just start writing the evil twin. They'll kind of put a bracket. Hey, this is where I started with that. I've got to go back and now I've got to, you know, but they don't stop and go back. They mm-hmm. just go forward with what they need uh, from there on. That's such a good point. Yes. I think a lot of writers, yeah, would be tempted to go think, oh my goodness, I've got to go back to the beginning now. Uh, start all over again. So you what, already yeah, know you're going to have to go back to the beginning and start all over again. <laughs> just keep going. <laughs> but mm-hmm. she would just say, just put it in a bracket or something and make, make a note and know that you're going to have to fix that. And that's okay. Yeah. That's, you just write your list of fixes that you're going to make. Yeah. And it's harder, I think, to when you're writing your first book, particularly, it's harder to kind of trust that you will be able to come back and do that because you've not yet got that evidence in your own brain 
that mm-hmm. oh I've been here before I've had this challenge before and and I got over it last time I fixed it last time so I know that I can do the same again this time so there's a little bit of that that comes I think with um just with the practice and going through that apprenticeship that we've talked about mm-hmm. and who was it that said um I think it's Nina Amir she said you know you've got to practice finishing that's just as important, if not more important, than practicing starting a book. But you've got to I agree. finishing books. I agree. Getting to the end of a of a first draft is part of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely part of that. And then you go through the revision and you get to the end again. And even if you have to go back again, mm-hmm. you still you've managed to get to the end. Um, sometimes I counsel people to just start a very short story so they can get to the end. You know, write a uh-huh. short story so that you've got you've got that that experience of landing the story and then make it longer and hit yeah. the end again. But mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think you need to practice getting to the end. Mm-hmm. What other tricks do you have up your sleeve? <laughs> <laughs> so one of the tools that I have been using recently, mm-hmm. and again, I use this in revision, um, but you could use it. It's encouraged that you use it when you're first drafting, but it's not what I like. And this actually comes from Jenny Nash. Uh-huh. So, so this is her inside outline. And she um, she encourages us to have those two bullet points for each scene. One is the uh, what happens, you know, the plots, what happens in the plot. And then the other one is what she calls the point. And the purpose of that is to... Um, outline for yourself okay what is the emotional driver in this scene what is the story element of this scene as opposed to the plot element and this is a great way for you to be able to recognize the cause and effect again it it comes to that so you're understanding okay this happened in scene a which leads on to this happening in scene b which leads on to this happening in scene c but if they felt like this in scene a and then this happened how are they going to feel in scene B and then how are they going to feel in scene C <laughs> and all the time it's taking them forwards to that that arc towards that arc that they're going to reach by the end of of the the novel and bearing in mind there'll be those steps backwards steps forwards as they they struggle with what it is that they're 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 trying to overcome but I've certainly found this I'm a big proponent of it now of using this inside outline it's kind of like an external story in the internal story exactly yes and how they mirror one another right affect one another Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. that's actually that's actually a really great way. And almost certainly you would hit the three story thing where you had the conflict, the, the choice and the consequence. Mm-hmm. Almost certainly just having those two points, because yes. what's happening externally, what does it mean internally? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really like that. Yeah, really like it's that. really it's really good. It's tr- it is tough. I'm not going to deny it. It's mm-hmm. a really because um, you're especially for the. uh the the point bits of the emotional journey the internal journey having to articulate that to yourself in a few lines is is challenging but it's the reason it's so worth it is because then when you come to either write the scene or revise the scene it's right there you know exactly what you're trying to say you've done that hard work and a number of times when I've sat down to start writing a new scene or to re- revise a scene and I've thought oh gosh right what happens in this again and why am I telling it 
And then I go to my inside outline and, oh, it's right there. I don't have to think about it. I just get to write the scene. It's so good. <laughs> so when you do coaching, kind of describe your process. So, yes. Yeah, so thanks for asking. Yeah, I work with students one-on-one. I really like the the intimate relationship that you get to build with somebody. Right. And I work with students for 12 months. Um, wow. Yeah, and it can seem quite daunting. I think a lot of people have that response. But I I know for myself that that's at least as long as it takes to write a first draft. Mm-hmm. We need that time or even longer to to really finish that draft because there are times when life gets in the way. And there's just, you know, if you've yes. got a job and you've got kids and, you know, all the things that life brings, it does get in the way from time to time. And you need a bit Absolutely. of a buffer. There's also those times when you're just struggling with the words themselves and you've lost that flow for a bit and it can take a week or two to to find it again. So we need that. So I do work on a lot of the character stuff beforehand. We look at, okay, why are you telling the story now? So the story behind the story, what's Mm -hmm. led your character up to this point? Um, To the point that this is where you're going to start. This is why you're starting page one where it's starting. And when we understand that, then that really helps to kind of project the story forward and understand what it is that they're trying to achieve by the end of this novel. What is what is the the flaw? We talk, you know, there's all that talk about the flaw. So what is going on inside of them? How do they see the world and why is that in what way is that not serving them? Right. What do they need to change about that? And so there's a lot of discussion around that as well and then what I love too about then I get to see all the words I get to see the words on the page as they write the scenes or 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 revising scenes if they've come to me with an existing first draft um and we chat about that we brainstorm things we talk about what's going on for the character does their motivation fit with the action that they're taking Mm -hmm. Has someone kind of tried to squeeze something in <laughs> because they <laughs> like the idea rather than it actually fitting the story that they're telling? Right. So, uh, that happens a bit. Yeah, Especially with, uh, yeah, first time authors. I, I want to say this and I'm going to fit it in no matter what. Shoehorn, shoehorn. <laughs> As they're writing their novel, I guess y'all have discussions at the beginning and depending on where they're starting from, whether they're just starting from a blank page or starting with something that they've already worked on, do they usually come to you with a full manuscript or do they usually come with you with an idea? It's usually, because I work with first-time novelists exclusively, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I'm seen as the last resort for them because they see. don't yet understand, you know, just the value of working with somebody. There's still oh, yes. that misconception that you've got to be able to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And so often they are maybe halfway through, three quarters of the way through, and have hit a brick wall. And they don't know, they know they're doing something wrong, but they don't know what it is. You know, they believe in the story. They, this is the one that's, that you know, has stuck with them. This is the one that they feel, this is my, this Compelled. is going to be my first novel. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So now they've come to me and they're like, okay, I've got this far. Now I'm stuck. What do I do next? And often, yeah, it's about going back to that character and uh, figuring them out in better detail. Mm -hmm. And as we're doing that, you know, I do encourage the writer to keep writing forward um, so that they get to the end of that. And then we get to go back to the beginning and really, really start shaping stuff. 
So it sounds um, like a book therapy almost, right? It's funny, you know, there is. I love that. Well, maybe I'll take that. Maybe that'll be my tagline, the book therapy. <laughs> love that. <laughs> you write that time. I um, do. Ah, that's great. Okay. It's funny you say that, though, because there is a degree of therapy that goes on in the coaching space. And I don't know if you have this with your editing as well, but. Oh, yes. Um, Definitely. The, the reason this is the story that stuck with that writer is because it's touched them in some way. Correct. It, it's, there's a personal connection. They don't realize it at the time. Most of the time, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. And it's only when you start digging down that we understand, oh, because this happened to you and this affected you and you remember this and this is where this idea, the seed has ultimately come from or why it's so appealing. Mm -hmm. And so it can get quite emotional from time to time um especially if it's you know uh wounds from childhood or something relationships with parents and siblings oh yes and just having that realization that oh my god I didn't know I was writing about my father or my sister or and so <laughs> there is a degree of therapy that's involved and um people are able to kind of let go of things now that they've written about it right mm -hmm. kind of puts a I feel a great responsibility to my clients to you know figure out why this is so important to them and how they can communicate it through their story without it necessarily being about them. Because most of the time, I, I'm not a memoir author. <laughs> I'll leave that up to Valerie <laughs> Isan. But, uh, <laughs> but I feel like a lot of things are autobiographical. Uh, autobiographical, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Graphical. There we go. Oh, my goodness. The word just escaped me. I think that there is a lot of, um, well, obviously, you're tied up in your book. And you're right. There is a compelling reason that you're writing it usually mm -hmm. that first mm -hmm. time, unless you're doing it purely for, can I make this a commercial success? You know, that's, there's mm -hmm. that too. But most of the time, the first time author is, is actually trying to get something off their heart. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's a great way to connect to other people who have similar things on their hearts. So mm -hmm. it's, it's a good reason to write a book, I mm -hmm. think. Um, it is. It's, you're going to find somebody to connect to. Isn't it? Even when it's fiction, <laughs> it's incredibly therapeutic. <laughs> so do you find that you're a kind of an accountability partner as well? Yes, 100%. So um, at the end of each call together, then we set a date for the next time and um, and for a date for them to send me their next pages. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, people can give me up to 7,000 words each month that I go through and make inline comments on as well as, you know, just questions and um, questions and comments around. Uh, so it's, it's very in-depth. It's very high touch. You know, it's very, very personalized. And each session is not like the last one. Each one is is different. And, you know, um, I might both of us might come to a call thinking, oh, we're just going to be talking about the words on the page today. But then oof, you just don't know what is going to come out of whatever's going on in the writer's mind and life at that time and what right. they've been thinking about and what they've been writing. And um, So it's very, very different each time. And it's um, it's wonderful when you see in your student, in that writer, just an aha moment that they have either about themselves or about the book or how it's connected. And you see that excitement and they can't wait to get back and start writing again. So do y'all record those sessions? I do. Yeah, we record the sessions and I send um, I send each writer the recording. So they've got it for as long as they need it to come back. And because often 
you know, you might be the best note taker in the world, but a lot can get lost in the in the moment, you know, as we're right. chatting away and maybe things get um we're both talking and it's very exciting. So it's it's good to have that video to come back to and just replay certain sections just to remind yourself. Well, if you're busy taking well, notes, you kind of miss stuff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and often when I ask like a, uh, an author a question about why did the character do this or why are they feeling that or how are they feeling in that moment? And then they can verbalize it really, really easily, but they can't put it on the page as easily. So then it's great. Okay, we'll come back to this minute and the, uh, mm-hmm. that's exactly what you want to put on the page fantastic mm-hmm. fantastic really uh, we're reaching kind of the end of our time here i would like to make sure people know where to find you and um how to contact you and all that stuff and i mean i met you through your summit at the beginning of the year are you planning to do that again <gasps> yes actually just today i was um, i was having my meeting with my va and we've just discussed how we're uh, going to start outreaching and start putting that together. So that will all being well will be January in 2023. I can't 2023. believe I'm that far ahead. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I love fantastic. Yeah, okay. interview series are great fun. Okay. Um, and what do you call that? Um, it's called Be a Bestseller. Be a Bestseller. This one is going to be. I haven't got my tagline yet. I'll need to come up with that. Right. Um, That's but, what this uh, meeting yeah. is for, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, the therapist. Love it. Um, <laughs> that's that's so awesome. That, we're working on that. But actually, um, as of this week, um, I do have um, I'm part of a promotion actually this week. Um, you know, if you're just needing a back, it's the back to school bundle for writers, it's called. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for a little bit of, uh, you know, just motivation to get back into the swing of things after the summer holidays, then um, I'm part of this promotion where you you can pick up lots of freebies um, oh, yes. in different ways. So it's you, you can get that at emmadesi.com forward slash 21 days. OK. Um, and is that right. Yes. 21 days. And that'll take you through to this um, a landing page where you can have a look and see. Um, see what's on offer and pick and choose whatever that you would like to get. And it's not just me. There's lots of authors contributing as well. So there's guaranteed okay. to be something. So like two, two, one days. Two, one. Yes. Two, one days. days. Okay. Yeah. And you're Emma Desi, D-H-E-S-I. That's All right. one string. Dot com. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'll make, I'll I just want to make that clear. And it, they can also find your coaching there at Emma yeah, yeah, there's details about that. Um, uh, but probably if you're interested in that, then the easiest thing to do is just drop me an email at emma at emmadesi.com. It's a highly personalized service. Um, and as such, it's not a good fit for everybody. So I do like to have a call with people um, just to check where they're at in their writing and whether right. we'd be a good fit because it's a good fit. 12 I- months. We right. know we can get on. <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. Well, I think it's a fantastic uh, service that you're providing. I had the benefit of someone in my life that we were both trying to finish a book. She had already, actually already published two. And so she was my mentor. And I was responsible for turning over, I think it was 2,500 words a week. That really put the, you know, that really put the screws on me to get it done. And mm-hmm. sure, I had to revise it and everything. But to get that input every week and to have that accountability every week was very instrumental in getting me to the end of my first book. Mm-hmm. So I had somebody in my life, but a lot of writers are just, 
they don't know where to go. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, your service is obviously a highly valuable one. And I, I hope that people will contact you and um, kind of let you help them get over that yeah. through those ob- obstacles and break through to their first book. Absolutely. There's no, um, we don't have to do it alone. That's the thing. And I have a coach. I work with a coach mm-hmm. uh, and I wouldn't be without her. It's just just such a big help to have someone on your team. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Wow, fantastic. Well, thank you, Emma, for joining me today. Thank you for asking me. It's been lovely chatting with you again. It's been great. Have a great day. I will do. And you. Okay, thank you. That's all I have for you today. Until next time, keep writing. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a comment and follow the podcast. If you're new around here, I hope you will sign up for the weekly newsletter, Writing Pursuits tips for authors. That link and all the links mentioned in today's episode are in the show notes at writingpursuits.com. Please join us on Wednesdays for new episodes and keep writing, my friends. Keep writing.